and welcome aboard the Battleship Retention. I am your co-host, Aaron Newworth. <laughs> and I'm David Bax. Tyler Smith is on assignment. Uh, Aaron, as I've established, normally if you were the guest, you'd have to wait till after the tweaked audio.com ad read for me to bring you in, but you're the co-host because Tyler's not here. So thank you for coming back and, and once again, co-hosting battleship retention you've got I, I if i were you because i'm an insecure person uh-huh. i would start to think that tyler didn't like me i i've heard <laughs> that i've heard that on my podcast when abe is not around sometimes because he has a lot of work he has to do sometimes and it, it piles up in certain parts of the air so we have certain guys certain guests on who also think the same way <laughs> it's like they just not like me <laughs> so yeah, I frequently it, have certain people because there's certain people you can rely on to be around that I can ask to be on the show more often than others. Oh, right. So like, and, but, but Abe's not there. So he's like, <laughs> does Abe not enjoy? <laughs> it's like, yeah. I mean, it, it's just, this is the second time in a row you've been on the show and Tyler has had to cancel sh- short notice. And we've like day of, I've been like, guess it's just you and me tonight. Um, it's funny because Ty, I, I have, I, there's no way I can characterize the two of you as far as like, which one's which, but like, I like to joke with myself that Tyler's the mean one, <laughs> but, but <laughs> I've never but, listened to this. So I, you but can we, say that. but we see each other some very free we used to before the world ended. We saw each other plenty at screenings. Right. Right. But we're always incredibly friendly to each other in person. <laughs> it's only yeah. when we're on podcasts together where we have this natural, like, and like not animosity, but like, there seems to be more of like a, a, a choice to bicker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you like to, 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 I prod to him. We yeah, with the, uh, especially with the spider thing. Cause that helps. Uh, yeah. He is truly arachnophobic and you have a truly cool pet. Yeah. Um, uh, how is, uh, how professor dent professor dent is doing well. He's had a chill summer. Ants got in the way a bit in the house here in general, but ants got to him. So I had to clean out his whole terrarium. Uh, but it worked out because my lovely girlfriend suggested I should get because there's like a combination of rocks and things in there for him to walk along. Uh, she suggested I get like a cool color of rocks. So I got turquoise rocks in there now. Oh. So, it looks, so it looks pretty neat. Now he thinks he's in like uh, Arizona, New Mexico or whatever. Specifically the southwestern states. Yes, that's that's yeah. where he's not not some like other planet or something. But yes, New yeah. Mexico. <laughs> that's, that's um, wait, what happens? Do, do, uh, this is a dumb question. Do tarantulas eat ants? No, they're too small. They eat okay. crickets. Because I don't need to get to the gory. Well, I should because Tyler will listen to this. I don't want to get into yeah. the gory details <laughs> of how a tarantula eats. But ants are just too small. Just put it that way. Well, I want to get into the gory details. Do you feed him dead crickets? I know live crickets because it lives to hunt, just like lions and Idris Elba. And um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it the, but crickets are also very dumb. So it's less about him walking over to a cricket and more like the cricket crawls under them, thinking, "Oh, there's nothing wrong here." And then lo and behold, a tarantula sinks its fangs into him, uh, injects a poison that paralyzes it, and then sucks yeah. out the insides at its pleasure. How, how many crickets at a time and per day? Um. The, I get five crickets every couple of weeks and he will eat them whenever he feels like it. Like you just dump five crickets in there. Yeah. And, and for a week, for weeks, there'll be couple- crickets just living with the tarantula until they're, it decides. Yeah. Oh my God, gen- that is so sadistic. <laughs> they're generally gone after like the first week. Granted, crickets don't live that long. It's not like if right. they weren't in there, they'd be living like a full life, having to go to college and have a family. <laughs> like- <laughs> 
<laughs> but I just imagine, I think of them as like, they're like, like, it's not like, they're like a... cellmates and they'd be like, <laughs> I imagine they're swapping stories. They're showing each other pictures of their kids. It's an open area. It's not like I put them in the little tarantula <laughs> prison. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad. Uh, it's more like a Stalag 17 situation. Like they're living their life. I mean, like they're, you know, they're having a time. Yeah. Um, Specifically, Stalag 17. Not you know, like, like River Kwai seems like a little more moody. Uh, Stalag 17 like oh, they're 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 making it through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's Hogan's heroes, right? There. There's a lot of yeah, but that's just straight up. I don't want to get that, but they're just that's just straight up comedy. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well. Uh, <laughs> We have a fun topic to get to with your idea. You're going to be kind of driving the bus uh, a little bit today. But first, I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Today, I was using my tweakedaudio.com earbuds to listen to some new uh, some new uh, hip-hop Um uh, uh, Armani Caesar, who's uh, uh, one of the best sort of, I, I think, younger, I guess, MCs. I, mean, I, I don't like to sound like, I don't like to pretend like I know what I'm talking about. I like hip hop. I don't know the lingo, but I think I think MC is the right word. MC is still a good term. Yeah, she's she's younger um, and she's very talented. She had a, a, a new song come out with uh oh she's tied up with the whole buffalo Griselda crew, so she had a new her new song is called Hundred Dollar Hiccup. And it features Benny the Butcher, one of the mainstays of the Griselda crew, and uh, Stove God Cooks. Uh, so that was good. And uh, I guess in keeping with the hip-hop theme, I also listened to... Uh, um, so ASAP Rock and Homeboy Sandman a while ago teamed up to make a sort of uh, duo called Lice. And they announced that they're, the three Lice EPs are coming out on on vinyl. So I was listening uh, to that and anticipating I, uh... possibly buying that. I, I could have been listening to this on my tweaked audio headphones, which I do have somewhere. Um, so I, I the, the new uh, Black Thought and um, Danger Mouse. Uh, album, oh, okay, yeah. Album, uh, cheat codes, uh, which I've been quite enjoying. Yeah, I like. Uh, I, of like I like both of them. Speaking yeah. of hip hop. Uh, but it sounded great at my tweakedaudio.com earbuds that are available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Aaron, we're back. Why don't you introduce the topic as the co-host and the person who came up with the idea? I, I'm going to do that in just a second because I forgot. I wanted to mention this before I forget. The last time I was on here was for one of the Patreon episodes. Was for our Sydney Plotier episode. Is that a Patreon episode? No, no, that was a regular. That oh, was a main, okay, it's okay, a so, mainline. Uh, good, yeah. good. It should be. Yeah, uh, it was film history. Uh, but the last time I was on there, there's a there was a few that we had not have seen, right? Because uh, you can't see everything. So yeah. since that point. I saw a couple really great Sidney Poitier movies. Uh, okay. Versus Paris Blues with him and uh, Paul Newman. Yeah, which um, I talked about on that show because yeah. on the episode I'd seen it. Wonderful film. Wonderful yeah. film. Yeah. Uh, and then Criterion 
in a couple of weeks, I got the review copy and I just reviewed it. They're putting out Buck and the Preacher with Plaudier, his directorial debut with him and Harry Belafonte. It is an excellent Western. It is, oh, sure. it is it is really, really enjoyable. And uh, it says what it needs to about America without having to like highlight it and highlight it in yellow highlighter. It just is just like, here it is. And, but yeah. with this fun energy between two best friends, Harry Belafonte and Puerto City Plaudier. Also cool on that criterion. It has an entire, like a whole lot, not just a clip, the entire episode of the Dick Cavett show with him and Harry Belafonte with Dick Cavett, which is great because for one thing, Plaudier, not an interview guy. He was not a guy that would go on talk shows. But oh, really? I think because his best, because Harry Belafonte was there and they had to promote a movie. He's like, okay, my friend's going to be there. I'll go on the show too. And it's just a, it's a really good interview between the three of them. So that's interesting. At, um, at Comic-Con this year at the Leonard, Leonard Moulton's panel, he told the story about for the American Cinematheque, <clears throat> uh, um, either before or after, I'm guessing probably before a screening of the Irishman, which is already three and a half hours long. Mm -hmm. He did an interview with Scorsese and De Niro. Mm -hmm. And he kind of described De Niro the same way as a guy who does not like interviews, but is like, well, my, my talkative buddy Scorsese will carry the the weight of this for me. Anyway, what's the topic? So yeah, I just wanted to get that out of there before I ever got it because I thought it was a good update. Uh, but the topic uh, that I thought of here, because uh, I've I've seen some movies recently. I've seen I saw. Okay, so I'll say the topic first. The topic is directors who didn't pan out. So thinking like directors who we're gonna get mean today is what you're saying. See, now I've thought about this all week because I don't know <laughs> me and I know you. I don't necessarily like being negative. That's no, not yeah. the goal of this, but the because I do think. It, within this premise is the idea that we want to see good movies from these directors. So the concept here is directors didn't pan out as in directors who like came on strong right at the start, maybe had one or two films that like really propelled them into a certain stratosphere as far as this is someone I really want to watch. And then the preceding films they've had just didn't really do anything or they just felt off or they didn't, they just didn't have the same like spark that like got you excited about that filmmaker to begin with. Yeah. Um, but I like that you, um, frame it in a positive way because I do feel like sometimes a director can have like a debut or an early film that you really like, and then have a follow-up that's like, Ooh, that mm-hmm. <laughs> like that wasn't so good, but then can kind of come back. I, I was recently rewatching a couple of, and now, you know what? I need to rewatch because what I'm saying might not even be right. Mm-hmm. I was rewatching a couple of Chad Hardigan's films because I had loved okay. this is Martin. This is Martin Bonner. Mm-hmm. And then I saw my first Sundance that I went to 2016. I saw Morris from America and I didn't like it. It didn't feel like it had his personality. <laughs> it felt more like a Craig Robinson vehicle than like a, uh, an autorist film. I really I was like, like that oh. movie though, but I know what you're, I can understand what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> but then I watched his, accidental pandemic movie little fish i don't know if uh-huh. you saw that one i saw that one and i rewatched that i've seen that one twice now and i really like it more <laughs> e- each time so i don't know if this is that a case of like he stumbled and came back or as is more likely the case was i wrong about morris from america and i need to rewatch it i like to think it, that's if, more the case yeah because i, I, really like I, th- that movie. <laughs> I think if i went into morris of america morris from america saying this is the guy who made this is Martin Bonner. They're two very different movies. Yes, they are. And so yeah. maybe, maybe I was like bringing something to it. I, I, I shouldn't have. Well, here's the other thing I, I want to ask you before we get started on this. Um, as I was trying to like make a list and I have a list of directors that apply to this scenario. 
it felt like it was more apparent. Like I have a lot of, I have a big range here, but it felt more apparent that there's more of this that applies to directors like 80s, 90s up, as opposed to like earlier in film history. Did that, did that occur to you at all? Was it more of a recent? I, I was I'm definitely, I was definitely defaulting to like people who were still currently working. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's an interesting point. I think, I, I don't know if it's true or if it's just so much that like, it's the fact that, the way you and I experience films are being the age that we are. Mm -hmm. There are certain filmmakers we've experienced sequentially. And then there are other filmmakers that you see like out of order. So I don't really think like when I think of the films of, I don't know. um, I don't know. Martin Ritt. Is that he made Paris blues? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Like maybe he only had one or two good ones and the rest were stinkers, but I don't really think of it like that because that's not how I came yeah, that's a it. that's a good way to. I can understand the thought process being like that as far. Yeah, because you're. But that, you're, that's you're a good point. Now you got me it. thinking of like I'm trying to like put older directors into chronological order and see and and see how it works out. Yeah, I've, I've arranged the list that way to an extent as far as it's. So here, I'll, let me break down what I've done. So I have a giant list <laughs> of all these directors, and what I've done is divi- I divided into categories as far as like how this specific thing applies okay uh, so and we we can kind of go through it however but i'll just read in the order i somehow put it out here but like i have like heydays gone where you have these kind of like veteran directors that started out pretty strong and then just kind of the rest of their career is just kind of very flat and forgettable i have potential where directors that have like absolutely showed you something right away with a film and then since then just like nothing interesting has come back uh music video directors directors that kind of jumped in with like their debut film and is like this is neat and then from then on just either just haven't done more or just didn't follow it up with too much uh one great film um pretty (laughs) self-explanatory he just had one and then nope that's kind of the end uh over before they started this is fun and there's some (laughs) (laughs) this is where like the like the film barely even happened to begin or like the net the follow-up film imploded before they could even do anything uh to, to follow up their first success um but are you talking about in that case are you talking like, about the, the movie's good or it was it well goes both, it goes both ways like, i think what's the guy who made the birth of a nation back in 20 like 16 or whatever you know the yeah, guy, well, like, um jesus um <laughs> I'm drawing a blank on his name, but that's how like thoroughly canceled he was. Um, but also like that movie was such a big deal out of Sundance. And then between that and its release, he got canceled. And then I saw the I didn't see it at Sundance. I saw it like, like when it came out or right before it came out. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't get it. Like, so that is whatever that guy's name is. Uh, Nat, Nate Parker, per- Nate Parker, Nate Parker. Yeah. That is a perfect example to me of the guy like who, it was over before it started. Yeah, that's not only that's, was his career like ruined before it started. The movie that started it, in my opinion, wasn't even very good. There's another key one that definitely applies. We'll get back to that. Okay. Uh, the last two, two more categories. The last, uh, wow. like, what, next one is uh, staying in their lane, where that's where they directed something, became a hit, and since then they've continued making movies, but they never really fluctuated away from the thing that they've got known for. So, so this is like the Weezer of directors. <laughs> exactly because that's a weezer had a great album then they tried some they tried to grow as a band with pinkerton it was a complete flop you know at least with audiences and they spent 
the next 30 years just doing the same thing over and over again. They had this weird evolution now where they're just a really popular cover band. I guess, yeah, in they did a whole cover album. I don't. They keep doing I, them. Like they. I know. I know people who are still on the Weezer train, and I. I'm not. Matt I'm Damon not. loves them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the la- and the last category is because women, uh, where it's a female director. Right. There's absolutely yes. nothing wrong with their work, but they just get whole pigeonholed for what or you know don't even get the opportunity to do something to begin with yeah uh, there's a which is, oh man that's is, you're bringing some which is things a, to which, mind that's the most unfair category like yeah. others are just very you know reasons but <laughs> this is literally like if it was a man probably they'd have work by now yeah like, so i you're definitely something that came up came to mind that i don't think qualifies we're talking about directors who didn't pan out mm-hmm. which is different a different thing than directors who fell off sure you know what i mean because yeah. i was thinking like like Dennis Hopper made like I consider writer that, in the last yeah. movie and uh, uh, out of the, out of the blue is that what it's uh, called yeah and then like eventually he's making like the hot what was spot. the like but what was the, the even dumber Chasers was yeah, that the, yeah, like, yeah 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 sex comedy with Tom Berenger and yeah mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So that, but that's, he has enough of a base. That's not, a yeah, and I, that's a falling off. And I tried to, I tried to limit that. Like I, there's some ones on here that are, you know, there's no rule to this cause I was making it up, but I mean, there, right. I tried to like limit that as far as directors that have had a significant career, but I do think that there is a, with some of the ones of longer careers, I do think there's a sense of there certainly was something there at the start that has not carried over despite their continual work effort. Okay. So we can start. We, we can go. We can start going yeah, through it. I mean, I, I was have... like, I, uh, I no, get some... never mind. Okay. You good? No, no. I, I, I thought I had one, but I think it's more of a fell off that didn't pan out. So, well, I, look, yeah. we can start with those and get them out of the way. Like, I have a, but I, I, that I... could, or we could just, you could come up with a different list. We could have you back on. So, <laughs> time you got to do an entire show about directors who fell there's off. Only, there's only so many under this first one. I can just kind of rattle through them. Um, oh, which category is this? This well, is the, hey, hey, the heydays gone type okay. where, where they, they have like a, a good number of films, but like, when was the last time you were thinking, like, this is, this is like what they started with? Um, yeah. some of these are a little quick like the key one i have here i think is rob reiner where i think rob reiner he had a good like crazy run from like spinal tap up to like a few good men and then it's like oh just nothing good like after that like there's yeah i should have and, and that it might yeah. a few good men is 20 years ago now he's had a lot of movies in 20 years uh including a lot of like you know very pro-liberal movie like good for him but at the same time like they're not good movies so it really doesn't like help anything yeah i'm trying to think i think the last one i saw might have been the magic of Belle isle was that him oh no i saw being charlie it was 2015 it was Flip, not good flipped i think is the last movie i saw it was coincidentally one of the first movie reviews that i wrote when i started writing professionally oh, <laughs> so. i never never saw it um yeah but the yeah i saw alex and emma uh, um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, like oh wow, the American president is the last one. That's that the I last like that's, good, that's like, that's like a good great one movie too. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Because um, between a few good men and that is North, which is terrible. So it's like right. there's so it's it's hard. I, I never like, actually saw North, but yeah, yeah. it's a bad. And I know it has a bad <laughs> reputation. Um, <laughs> um, but I, weirdly, I was just I should have thought of this because I was just thinking about Rob Reiner because I was reviewing James Ponsoldt's Summering, which has a uh-huh. whole lot in common with Stand by Me. Yeah. Um, a little less death. Um, there's well, there's just the one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
It's like uh, there's not yeah, a we, sinister there's not a sinister keeper Sutherland chasing them in summer. By yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a all right. That's a good one. But I do. I, I, but I still don't. I mean, to go to your initial description, I still don't think this counts as like not panning out because that's, like that. That's his, fair. His I legacy mean, is cemented. It is, and that's why it's tricky, and that's why that's the first category. I have so many yeah. other categories, so yeah, I, that's a key. What I was thinking there, I don't have to go to the others because I feel like it applies to the same thing. So let's just go okay. to potential. Let's yeah. go to let's go to potential because yeah. there's some legit ones here where there's like a strong like first movie. And and then just and for whatever reason and like here I have like uh, Richard Kelly uh, with Donnie Darko. Uh, now granted, he's only made three movies, uh, and Southland Tales has a significant following. I like Southland Tales, uh, but it's not like that movie wasn't a giant flop when it happened in a variety of ways, as far as both you know any kind of box office, let alone critical approval. Uh, and then the box after that with uh, Cameron Diaz and then and James Marsden and Franklin Gella. Uh, just kind of came and went um despite having an intriguing premise it just kind of happened and then went away and since then richard kelly nowhere to be found (laughs) yeah yeah that's interesting yeah that's a that's a good one because i i have never seen the box and i only finally caught up with south and tales during like the first year of the pandemic you know and i had a lot of time to catch uh, up on movies and tvs and, and and cross some things off the list and i definitely find southland tales to be fascinating and i'm sure overall i'm glad it exists I'm, i don't really know if i need to 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 watch it again it's sort of there's there's um southland tales reminds me of there's a uh i don't know if you remember the very short-lived ben stiller show it was a sketch comedy i i have it i have the dvd of the ben stiller okay. show <laughs> do you remember there's a there's a part that's like a U2 parody where he's like being Bono or whatever. Okay. And it's like, it's so dead on that it's not really funny, but it's like fascinating how good a like uh-huh. impression or parody is doing. And that's kind of how I feel about Southland Tales is like that movie is so very specifically of its era, mid 2000s, like immediate, like post like Iraq invasion, like mm-hmm. Bush administration, like reality TV, all this stuff is so specifically of that moment that self entails is an indelible cultural document. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, but that's, I don't know that I, uh, and I'm not that eager to revisit it. It's one where I would, I initially don't need to talk about South Tales for too long, but it's one where I initially watched it. And I, at the time I couldn't get it out of my mind. It was like, this is such a fascinating disaster yeah. where I did eventually go back and rewatch. And it was like, I think I like this now. <laughs> and so I feel like now since then, I'm just a fan of South. It's, it's, it's not where I'm popping in all the time. Cause it's two and a half hours. And it's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that just absolutely doesn't work in the movie, but it's still, like you said, I'm happier it exists than doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, that reminds me when we're talking about directors, but like we could do a whole episode on like actors who like never realized their potential. Sure. Because like, I've always thought that Sean William Scott was like really talented. Yeah. And he seems to have like, he's great in that movie. <laughs> he's great in that, in that movie. He's great in, in role models. Um, mm-hmm. There's like a good a, poll. I love role models. <laughs> it's yeah. Hilarious. Um, there's another like 2008 movie called the promotion with him and John C. Riley. John C. Riley, like, Yeah. Yeah. But it just seemed like any time he tried to break out of doing the Stifler thing, audiences like weren't really interested. Yeah. Um, and that's too bad because I do think that you, the rundown is another one. Like, yeah. I do think he's really talented mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's too bad. 
Um, and yeah, now, now I haven't seen him in anything in forever. Oh, that's well, not he, true. I, oh, Goon. Goon is so good. Goon. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Goon is one of your go-tos. Like, that's yeah, Goon is great. But then Goon 2, I mean, he's, Still he does his best, but it's not that great. <laughs> All right. What, what else you got? Uh, Tarsum. Um, in the kind of Tarsum category. Sing. Yeah, Tarsum Singh, uh, who all, he, he kind of crosses because he's also a music video director. Uh, but like you have The Cell, uh, which Ebert loved. A lot of people like The Cell. But then like The Fall certainly had a lot of fans as well. Yeah. Uh, and then that's like it because he since then he's done like what? Mirror, Mirror, Immortals. I liked Immortals, by the way. Immortals. Um, and there's one with Ryan Reynolds. Um, what's it called? Is that... I'm looking at it. Is that it's selfless? Yes, yeah, selfless. Is it selfless yeah, or sl- it was slash? I believe. Yeah, self slash less. Self, yeah, it's face off selfless. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I so, remember liking Immortals, not I, Mirror Mirror. Immortals has a, a lot of great imagery, no doubt. It certainly it certainly feels like a movie Tarsum had made. Um, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like they had those strong starts. I mean, as far as a visual director. Yeah. Um, some very, you know, and even Mirror Mirror, I believe, I believe that got an Oscar nomination for costumes, if I'm not mistaken. Like it's, he certainly has an eye, but it's not like he's propelled onto anything else here. Like I don't, yeah. You know, it, 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 I, yeah, I didn't really like Mirror Mirror, but I wish more movies, American movies, did the Bollywood thing of ending with a Bollywood musical number with like big American movie stars. It's so like something you're so used to seeing in Indian movies. You're not used to seeing Julia Roberts, like dancing and singing during the end credits. And I, uh, I, as I long like, as doing, like did that. as long as they're doing like, Amer- like it's weird when they're doing, you know, specifically Indian <laughs> like songs of American actors, but <laughs> right. like four, like four year old Virgin does it right. Right. They do Aquarius. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, that's fun. Like, it's random. But it, I, yeah. But also it could be in like an original song. Right. I mean, original song, fine. Yeah, but I'm just saying, I don't need to see Julia Roberts, you know, singing in Hindi. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Fernando Marais. Um, oh, that's a good one. City I like God. the Constant Gardener. I love the City of God and Constant Gardener are two of my favorite movies. Uh, Blindness is bad. Uh, I didn't see that. I saw 360, which was bad. 360 also bad. Uh, but I mean, he went from being a, a co-director uh, nominee uh, to like just like City God has energy like it just comes out running at you. Constant Gardner is like the exact opposite of City of God as far as direction goes and it's mm-hmm. still great. Where are the other Fernando Marais films that I'm looking forward to? <laughs> what did you think of the two popes? Oh that was him right? Yeah. I, I, well for one thing I really liked that they gave you one pope and then another one for free. That was great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I, I I did like the two, I like the performances of the two popes. It's not where I'm, where I'm like grasping to see more of. I think and Jonathan Price specifically, I think was really good in that movie. Like Andy Hopkins could do that in his sleep, um, which is fine. It's not a problem with it. But like I thought Jonathan Price was very good in it. But it, I was surprised. It's like oh, that's a random rise. Well, I didn't realize. That the- well, yeah, I um, I think the big problem with the two popes for me, great, yeah, great lead performances, and it's a good script. And you get a free pope. It's it's, ba- it's based on a play. <laughs> Uh-huh. And they do the movie thing of like adding stuff, like adding those like Jonathan Price flashbacks and stuff that's yeah. really not in the play to make it more cinematic. And mm-hmm. that stuff is the least interesting stuff in the movie. Agreed. The movie is interesting when it's just Jonathan to, Price and Anthony. It's Hopkins. just them poking around. <laughs> exactly. Well, and like walking around these like yeah. beautiful like Vatican grounds and stuff like that. Like 
it, like I feel like if friend, Fernando Moraes, the Fernando Moraes who made City of God and Counts of the Gardener, who trusted himself more as a filmmaker, would have said, like, I don't need that. I can make this exactly, yeah, exactly. With these actors and, and mm-hmm. these locations, or whatever. Uh, and that was kind of a, a bummer to me. Mm-hmm. That's probably why I watched. I was so eager to watch it because it was Fernando. I just forgot, I forgot the two popes existed. It's not. But I mean, you get it's not every day. Oh, you get a, a bopo. Um, <laughs> I'll stop. Buy one pope one. <laughs> um this is more about like consistency but mark romanek um who came along also a music video director like had one hour photo and then what's in between there was it birth is that the movie in there? Or is it there? No, no that's, that's the other um, one that's, Gla- that's glazer Glaze, that's glazer yeah. both kind of similar as far as they just don't do enough like it like because uh never let me go is the other romanek movie um okay yeah so holy shit this guy's like got He's got so many credits on IMDb because he does music videos and still does music videos. And, and I guess you know, um, if he's comfortable in that format, cool, I guess. But it's yeah. like, it's not like he has it. Like whenever he pops up for a movie, like it, it's, I, I've heard great things about never let me go. I was, that sounds lukewarm like a Scott and I on, favorite. Uh, yeah. I was lukewarm on, on one hour photo, uh, back in the day. Um, and then there's more stuff that works Tyler. than doesn't, um, but I, and I also think Robin Williams, he's flashier in one hour photo, but I think he's better in the other 2002 Robin Williams plays evil person in insomnia. Uh, yeah. I think like, insomnia is the better movie, but mm-hmm. both of them, I, I do think he's, he's not bad in either of them. I just, I think he, but, it's, it's a more of a flash thing. And it photo. feels too aware that he's like, this is Robin Williams playing yeah. a like reserved bad guy. It's too I'm, like self-aware. He was blonde. Remember when, uh, like, yeah. like, <laughs> when Daryl Hammond was on damages? I never watched damages, but I I do. I recall that was the thing that he was on damages. He playing like a evil rich guy or something. He's playing like, no, he's the rich guys. Like basically like Mike from breaking bad, (laughs) you know, he's like, he's a fixer (laughs) fixer slash maybe bag man, bag man. Maybe he's like assassin. He like, I'm glad we know all these terms about evil guys that do things. (laughs) He he does the things that need to be done, but it's just like, he's way too like, I'm, I'm playing evil. Yeah. It's like I'm John Lovitz in Southland tales, but that, I mean, Richard Kelly is a, I think a step ahead of John I, Lovitz. I, in, I, yeah, I know because he has like Sherry yeah. Terry. He has all these people doing this. Yeah. Um, well, this can lead into music video directors. Cause there's a lot of those here. Um, and this is one where I like, I'm struggling to think of who's ever great to begin with, but Anton Fuqua, uh, certainly, you know, has many films is prolific. Um, but, and even the, from the start, like replacement killers isn't great, but like training day, obviously elevated things. It was a big movie, you know, big hits, got Denzel and Oscar, but yeah. In the wrong category, but yeah, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but like, and I, you know, I know people like some of his films more than a lot more than I do, but I just, I get nothing out of him from most of his movies from, um, from... I've been kind of a defender over the years because I think the, this is going to sound so stupid. I'm going to sound like such a dumb. If you're going to start praising the equalizer, then I'm going to be mad. No, but I <laughs> like the, the like already directors cut of King Arthur is a much better movie than the one that was in theater. So if you saw, I never saw not, the already cut. It's not great. It's very silly <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, in many ways, but it's definitely a, a better movie. Shooter is a movie that I think is, hard to contend with politically given how much like political violence from the right there has been in the years since, but I do, I did like shooter at the time. <laughs> really? um, 
I let's see. Didn't see the Equalizer. I did not like Southpaw. I liked the Magnificent Seven remake. It was fun. I thought it was fine. It's a it's a movie that's on TV, and I'm like, yeah, I can see this being a thing on TV. But I think it did what you want a ensemble movie like that to do. It cast a bunch of interesting actors and let them be themselves or let them be, do what uh, they wanted. It, do, it, it lets some of them be themselves. And I don't mind D'Onofrio doing whatever he does. Cause he's an offer. Yeah. Like, if he wants to be a big bear man with a, <laughs> with a wheezy voice, like do whatever. But like Chris Pratt is so like out of place in that movie. And not, I like, I have nothing against Chris Pratt. I don't want to be, I'm not going to be the guys like, yeah, that I'll jump on the Chris Pratt hate train. Right. Right. He means nothing to me, but that movie, like he's not Steve McQueen but he does like all of an assortment of things in there where he's like, he has, he does magic tricks and he's good with bombs. Yeah. And he's like supposed to be cool, but he can't be as cool as Denzel. And it's like, how do you play this? Like, and I just don't think they find the real regardless. This is what happens <laughs> with six years of distance though, is I forget about all that. I think about, I think about D'Onofrio and Denzel and Ethan Hawke. Mostly Ethan Hawke's great in it. He's like, uh, the, I, like that's what I, I had to remember. look him up at uh, Lee Byung Hun. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're like, it's not pronounced, but there's a subtle, like, are Ethan Hawke and him in a relationship in that movie? Like, that's kind of going through it. I recall oh, that. By the way, um, Lee Byung-hun, did you see Emergency Emergency Declaration? I haven't yet. No, I know that. Yeah. I know of it. Yeah, yeah he's, uh, I, I'm just putting two and two together that he's the, uh, he's more or less, I guess, the lead of the movie. Um, it's an ensemble mm-hmm. movie, but I'm just putting together that's the same actor who was in mm-hmm. uh, Magnificent Seven. Anyway, Emergency Declaration is good. But yeah, Fuqua. I I'm glad you want to defend. I can agree. With, I, like there is a oh, he's making like R-rated adult action movies or what have you. That's like admirable to an extent. I just don't like the movies. I just don't, there's nothing there for me, and I don't. And it's, I don't think they're beyond like audience reception to some degree. I don't think any of them are specifically sticking out as being like, yeah, Anton Fuqua's coming at you. We gotta gotta get on that right away. I, I have other ones. <laughs> That's music okay. video category. David Slade. Um, he came out pumping with hard candy. Um, which I never saw actually. So I don't, yeah, maybe that's why I'm not, a. he's got a, he, he has a, he has a visual approach to things that I, I, I think can work, serve him. Well, he put that in 30 days of night with Josh Hartnett. Um, it, it's more of a cult thing. Now it has its fans. And then there's a twilight, one of the eclipse, the third twilight movie, so oh, two, two vampire movies in a row very in drastically different directions. And then I think he just does like TV and stuff since. Well, like, he doesn't he just, just do TV he's, videos, but I mean, is he a showrunner? Or something? No, he, he's not a showrunner, but he directed the first episode of Hannibal and kind of like, yeah, yeah I remember he that, had the, the tone, yeah, the, the Hannibal tone. Yeah. He set the tone for what Hannibal is. So I think he'll, mm-hmm. he'll always have a, um, uh, a spot in my heart uh, for that. But there's something else that I'm thinking. Oh, I can't remember. If we talked about this. You and I, we did an episode on anthology movies. Yes. Uh, quite a while ago. Did you see Nightmare Cinema? No. Um, it's, yeah. I mean, like a lot of anthologies, it's, it's hit or miss, but Joe Dante does, does one of them. Uh, <clears throat> but also uh, David Slade does, does one of them. And of the, of the, I got, I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five. Oh, I see. It's four plus. No, it is five. There's five entries. Of the five, his is definitely the scariest. I don't know if it's the best. I'll probably give Joe, Joe Dante the nod for best of Nightmare Cinema, but but his um, his entry is the scariest. He has a visceral thing that he can pull off. Like you haven't seen Hard Candy, but Hard Candy has 
a couple sequences in there where they're very intense without having to show much. In fact, that's part of the gimmick of the thing. There's a lot of implied stuff happening in that film. Well, that again applies to Hannibal, which is yeah, a, for all so. of its excesses is still a network television show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they had to imply some things. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, Mark Webb. Uh, Mark Webb came out the gate with a uh, 500 days of summer uh, being a music video director. Then he, uh, you know, uh, Fox Searchlight was like, well, this guy, his last name's Webb. Let's see what Sony wants with him." And they're like, yeah, he should make <laughs> Spider-Man movies. So that's, that's how that, I'm sure that's how the conversation went. Um, he did his Spider-Man's. Uh, which most people are not a big fan of his Spider-Man entries. Uh, and, and then he did uh, what he did two movies in one year. He did the gifted with uh, not Spider-Man, but Captain America and wow. uh, the only living boy in New York, which is a terrible, terrible movie. Oh, that is a terrible movie. I was going to say, I was like, I, I don't think I've seen any of his movies except for that first amazing Spider-Man, but I forgot that I saw the only living boy in New York and that, yeah, that was not good. But um, I, I didn't see 500 Days of Summer. It seemed um, insufferable to me. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I feel like that's a movie you would be uh, that, that very much against just based off what it's doing. I yeah. think it's quite good. Um, but then again, speaking of, you know, there's something to be said for like, like with David Slade directing the first Hannibal. Mark Webb also directed the first Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And usually like the first director of any show. Yeah, they, show, they set the set the tone they are yeah. often eps on the show you know like i'm trying to think uh ruben fleischer do superstore i think yes maybe? yeah 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 that's the, so there's something God, ruben sometimes Fle- we see tv is like being, yeah <laughs> i'm not a, i'm not a ruben TV fleischer is like uh for higher work but when it's uh when it's a pilot it's often like a bigger responsibility than that ruben fleischer is actually a good entry for me because like i because even i i'm not even the films he's made since have made me actively like dislike Zombieland more. And I like Zombieland well enough. But yeah, I never, I didn't like Zombieland and I didn't like 30 minutes or less. I don't remember what else he's made. Gangster Squad. I did not didn't like it. Um, oh God, there's something else. There's a couple others. And then recently it was Uncharted, which Tyler on one of the movie journals was like, I watched it on a plane and I was, you know, and I was like, okay, Tyler, <laughs> too much credit here. Um, um what else i'm trying oh he did venom the there first it is venom, venom yeah bad oh. <laughs> okay that's a movie that has its ben, defenders though right ben, it, not because of the direction they like because okay. well tom hardy does crazy stuff that's that's right, the appeal right, right. Uh, there no one's like well tom hardy did crazy stuff because of ruben fleischer's magical direction of that movie <laughs> <laughs> you know who didn't you know who's not in venom 2 ruben fleischer um so it's uh, you know who has a store credit on Venom 2? Tom Hardy. Uh, there's a guiding force in that series. <laughs> it's not really yeah. uh, All right. There's, I have more music, but like, we can move on. Let's get to one okay. great film. Uh, I, one great film. Okay. One great film. I actually uh, have one for this. Good. Well, let's hear it. Maybe I have it. Oh, um, but yeah, this is me being mean. I feel mean. But uh, Julia Hart. Miss Stevens okay. is a great yeah. film made my top 10 that year. And I feel like a lot of people will disagree because my, my recollection is a lot of people liked fast color. I, I like fast color. <laughs> I didn't I, like fast. I, I feel like I spent the whole movie waiting for it to start. I don't know. It felt, uh, it has an origin vibe to it. But, yeah. uh, um, I thought I'm your woman was, was not bad. It's got a good car chase in it. And it's got Rachel Brawls the hand. Like good movie. that's yeah, enough. I like that movie, yeah. Um, but now she does like these like Disney Plus movies. Disney Plus movies, yeah. So uh, Star Girl and Hollywood, Hollywood Star Girl, yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, she's she's she, one. 
she and her, uh, her husband, that, that, who's the producer, he produced um, La La Land and stuff. Also, he's the guy who said, "You guys won best picture." Yeah, he, he showed. Yeah, he's the one that pulls the envelope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've seen him in the meme, iconic um, image. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, I think that qualifies because I do truly think that Miss Stevens is a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, also, got uh, that along with Homeland got me on the Chalamet train uh, before uh, before everybody else was. Um, Chalamet's legendary Homeland episodes. Yes, of course. (laughs) Uh, I also love Lily Rabe. Weirdly, uh, as with Rob Reiner, I was just thinking about Lily Rabe because I am watching for the first time right now the first season of American Horror Story. (laughs) I only watched Coven and Freak Show, and I was like, eh, I should go back and at least watch the first two so I'm not like the second season is the one that gets like. I, I don't know now because I haven't watched it in a while. And I, yeah. I think that gets like the, I think that's generally seen as like the best season, the second yeah. season. Asylum. So that's all I want. So I'm looking forward. I'm kind of liking season one. Well, season one has um, Dylan McDermott furiously masturbating into a window at some point. So like, you can't yeah. go wrong there. <laughs> um, I'm there. Yeah. I've gotten, I'm only four episodes in, but I just wanted to like, if I think there's a weird part in my brain that was like, it's okay if I stop a show at a certain point, but it's weird that I didn't start at the beginning. It's weird that I watched three and four. So just, to get this albatross off my back, I'm going to watch seasons one and two. So at least if someone says, did you watch American horror story? I can say, I watched the first four seasons. <laughs> it's easier to say that than to say, I watched three that, and four in that inevitable scenario where you're back to, to that corner and yeah. have to respond. <laughs> Honestly, you won't feel, yeah. you won't feel awkward. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not having yeah. seen all of American horror story, the early years. But yeah, I'm looking forward to season two, but I'm only, like I said, I'm only four episodes into the, the first mm-hmm. season and it, it's, it's plenty of fun. Freak show's it's got great exactly imagery. Quinto. Like, like my issue with American Horror Story, generally it starts off of like two, three great opening episodes, then it meanders for a good long while and then it ends like, okay. Uh, but like, <laughs> well, Freak, yeah, show I mean, has a, Freak show has enough going on visually where I'm like, well, he's got two heads and John, what's his name? Um, son of a I, Gunderson. Um or no, it's not him. It's the other one. Pruitero Vince. Pruitero Vince. He's in there, right? He's oh, yeah, yeah. Miley. Yeah. Um, but it does that, like, uh, the thing that really bothered me about uh, um, the seasons that I watched is it, like, it kills off characters and then always brings them back. Yeah, there's, there's and no now I'm, watch, <laughs> now I'm watching the first season, I'm realizing, oh, this is where it came from. Yeah. Because in the first season, anytime someone is killed, they hang around as a ghost of the house. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. But that clearly, like, was something that Brian Murphy just locked into, and was like, "We're never going to fully care- kill off a character for an entire season. Season, they're always going to find uh, some way back." But I'm enjoying it in season one. It makes sense. It's yeah. justified by, yeah, yeah, justified on FX American American Horror Story. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to go with justify my love, um, but anyway, I was realizing I had I haven't seen Lily Ray but anything since Vice four years ago. Okay. Um. Okay, so one great film. <laughs> what do I have here? Uh, obviously, Charles Lawton. Guy just couldn't get off his, his butt yeah. into another movie. Um, yeah, that's a good one. It's um, one great film. Yeah. Here's this one. This one gets to me. It's because it's such a non thing, but I really love this first movie. Uh, DJ Caruso. Uh, DJ Caruso, pretty much a hack director as far as seems to just take assignments and does whatever. But like The Salt mm-hmm. and Sea with Val Kilmer. I really like that movie. I think that's a really excellent neo-noir with like a bit of style thrown into it. And since then, it's just been a lot of like really generic studio programmers. It's, um, what is it? Taking lives with Hawk and Jolie. It's, um, 
one see, for I, the money. Uh, I remember I am liking four. Oh yeah, I remember liking Eagle Eye. Taking, I remember ta- liking Taking Lives, but I could be wrong. Um, I don't think I'm wrong about Disturbia. I enjoy Disturbia. It's a fun. Like, I'm the one person riff. that does not like Disturbia, yeah. and it's and it's because yeah. I don't think Shia LaBeouf's consistent in that movie. <laughs> that's that's my issue. I have such a weird like. <laughs> a, a, a weird grudge against the film because so many people like it. I'm sitting here thinking this, this is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but Spielberg saw him and trans, has him in Transformers. So what do I know? Beard, Beard got him. And everything worked out well since for Shia LaBeouf. Nothing bad yeah. happened. Yep. Yep. And now, yeah, DJ Crusoe still working, but uh, yeah, he just had something that came out. Um, Shut in, which was one of the uh, Daily Wire uh movies yeah that there's one before that it's like it's a romance thing that came out like redeeming love i'm just redeeming love yeah yeah, that's what it is yeah but like none of these films have anything that felt like the movie i watched when i saw it first time it's home see (laughs) and this is kind of the point where it's like and because like every time dj caruso's name comes up in a thing my mind immediately goes Oh, I wonder what that's going to be like. Like, I want that to be good. Right. Like, I want, I want it to be like, and not just like, oh, that's fine. I want it to be like, yeah, just like that first movie I saw from. That's kind of my point of this thing, where it's like, there's, there seems like they clearly had something. Like, I don't think it's just gone. Um, but it's similar to like the band thing, like you're saying. It's like, oh well, yeah, they got it all out in their first album. Then the second <laughs> album. Then you have to hope that ideally the third album is the one where they pick it back up again and they evolve. Yeah. And obviously yep. there's bands that do that or else there wouldn't be bands uh, that last more than one album, but yeah, it would just know. be albums. Yeah. Uh, Neil Blomkamp, um, right out oh, of the gate, that's a good nine. One. Uh, then you got Elysium and Chappie and um, that other movie that came out like a year ago during the pandemic that was really, I don't even remember that. What was that one? It's like a virtual ghost movie. Um, like literally like it's a vr ghost thing going okay. on demonic demonic that's it okay um but neil yeah. Blomkamp, i mean best picture nominee first movie <laughs> yeah which i was i mean district nine is it's fine i don't know it, i'm not a big fan of especially that third act that's just like blowing people up left and right and kind of uh i kind of lost my lost interest in that i just like that it's a better apartheid movie than clint eastwood's invictus like that <laughs> entertained me <laughs> that's probably true um but speaking of um i guess non-americans making violent uh somewhat violent debuts now i'm not gonna say this is a great movie or anything but i thought that morton tildum's headhunters uh-huh. it's a fun movie yeah i mean it's like a very dark very bloody comedy um and you know sometimes maybe a little bit self-consciously so or whatever but it's still a fun movie i almost put him and on this list yeah that's good to to look at martin tildum and say to look at his movies since he came to america and to say like this guy was this guy made a fun movie like his movies even if they were even if they were good they're just in in concept not fun anymore i mean the you, and on you top know, of that they're not good when you when you watch the imitation game i'd be in the right mood it's a laugh riot but i mean yeah i, I know what you're saying <laughs> but i just like i i, I, I don't want to sound like i'm saying everyone needs to go out and check out headhunters if you miss it it's not like some great movie that you have to see but okay. it is so it is so puzzling to me to think like what happened to that guy that this is what he he makes now fair it's a fair assessment but then i guess i mean sometimes that happens when people come over to hollywood well, and sometimes it's not 
it's not for it's not even for the worst. But you and I just last night were both at a screening of Balthazar Comworker's Beast, mm-hmm. and you know I saw Balthazar Comworker's One One Reykjavik in like what is that like 2000 2001 when it's like an icelandic version of like this sort of like american slacker indie type thing and like if you were to say tell me like yeah this guy this like uh voice of icelandic independent uh uh depressive cinema is making movies like beast and everest and two guns like it's a total change of pace the only difference is i like those movies that's interesting because like i get the, the comparison to balta that like that i can think of is nimrod Antal, who made this neat little movie control in control, 2003 yeah. and then he's proceeded to do like genre films which do a vacancy armored predators that metallica imax movie yeah. uh, that, that 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 we should definitely think about more often because it's like dane dehan was in a, a metallica movie <laughs> i know i never saw it but i was at the comic-con panel i remember the guy like oh god thing and he did a lot yeah. of efforts of he's done like a few episodes of servant on apple which i really like oh okay uh, but it's but it's that same way, thing where it's like control is a really weird and out there kind of movie and then he made this like just like grimy genre movies for like the past 20 years yeah it's like, no, and I, I haven't seen most of those but vacancy is pretty rad i think it, no i i like it. the cool thing movie. is i, lo- I like nimrod until like it, it's opposed to morton tilda who did what imitation game and and the the much uh, much heavily praised wildly romantic uh, passengers of course um, but, yeah. um my if you'll remember or listeners i remember my worst film of the 2010s when we did our <laughs> the 2010s 20... of the whole decade that was yeah that when was we did our one. 2010s wrap-up passengers worst film of the day wow the decade <laughs> took the took the prize uh, I, I said at the time uh uh vice suburbicon you got saved suburbicon passenger oh boy <laughs> those are my three worst films of that decade suburbicon's, suburbicon awful. suburbicon's yeah. an awful movie yeah um uh duncan jones uh moon great i love moon uh source code i like not a big yeah, i like I like source code. I like, but uh, and then since then, it's what it's Warcraft, it's um, Mute, the like the Moon semi follow up that came out on Netflix. Oh my god, I forgot uh, that existed. Um, and now he just hasn't yeah. done anything for a while. He made a comic book that I have. Uh, that's a, that's okay. like the, that's like the third entry in his Moon Mute like sci fi series. Um, but that's when we're like there's certainly potential like there could be more like it hasn't been too long like all of these have been too long but yeah moon i mean just really nailed me as far as being a director similar to like a uh like a gareth god i never remember the right <laughs> gareth's i know um yeah. i want to say edwards who did um monsters and then did uh godzilla which i love uh, i love monsters also and then did rogue one and then just kind of hasn't proceeded from there like he did these huge movies <laughs> i'm just like yeah and rogue one was a huge hit so a billion dollar blockbuster so yeah that's <laughs> he has something weird in the, he has something in the works but you would think you know a white guy director not getting an immediate push after a billion dollar movie that's that seems odd well i guess he's got um again i'm just on imdb which you can't always trust they're like upcoming stuff there's something but yeah he's got a movie called true love mm-hmm with uh, Gemma Chan, Allison Chaney, and John David Washington, it sounds pretty good. Um, but it doesn't have any plot description. I don't know what it's what it's about. But that's uh, mm-hmm. it. Looks. I th- th- sometimes there are things that are on 
IMDb is like upcoming that are like, that's never going to happen. Yeah. But this no, looks like it's far enough along. No, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I know. Really I know. Yeah. Stop. I just know nothing about it yeah. beyond. It has people in it. Uh, here's a fun one. Um, WD Richter uh, for the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the night dimension. Uh, I love that movie. I love Buckaroo Banzai. He never, he didn't direct it. Like he's, he's a, uh, he wrote, he's written, he's a screenwriter. He's had things before that and what have you, but I, 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 maybe it's just more of a self-imposed. I don't want to do this anymore, but yeah, I, I really like Buckaroo Banzai. I wish he made more movies, more like oddball, fun, sci-fi yeah. comedy, adventure, yeah. everything movies. It looks like he did have one follow-up called late for dinner. Yeah. Just a, some random a yeah. Peter Berg starring movie. Yeah. And Peter well, Berg was uh, still acting. Just still acting, yeah. And then he got killed, and or no, he then he stayed home in collateral and just never acted again. <laughs> so it worked. <laughs> he didn't get killed. You see, stayed, Mark Ruffle is like, we got to go. He's like, I'm staying in bed, and he stays, and he doesn't get shot. <laughs> so he's, he's still mourning uh, Mark Ruffalo in collateral. Is that the last? I'm trying to think. I I, I bet he cameoed in things like he's oh, probably apparently in it. I, he's in he's well, in his own okay. movies. He's yeah, in like not he's kind in, of like, his the own king. Movies. He's in his King the Kingdom and stuff. Yeah, he's in Mile Twenty Two. Yeah, see, yeah, like, I don't I don't think he's done any. Yeah, he played a, on an episode of Ballers. He played a yeah, football like, coach. I'm not going like, to count that. Well, he's a producer on Ballers. Right. So like, what was the last thing he acted in that he did? It didn't... might be collateral. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Two episodes of the U.S. remake of Prime Suspect, but he might also be like a producer on that. Uh-huh. Um, God. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. Oh, here we go. 2008. Okay. Lions okay. for Lambs. Oh, who does he play? Ryan, Ryan, Lieutenant Ryan, 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 Colonel Falco. Is he one of the two? Is he the other guy? I doubt that. I doubt he's one of the main guys because he's older. Like, they're two young guys in that movie. The two guys who are like the two soldiers who are like stranded. Yeah, I think they're two younger guys. Like, he's Mike, old. Yeah, guy, it's Michael right? Pena and Derek Luke. I'm looking at it now. Okay, yeah, so yeah. he's probably like their commanding officer or something. Yeah, he gets yeah. like shot out of a plane or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, as one of those, one of those favors you do for Robert Redford. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember Lions for Lambs better than I would have thought I did. <laughs> I saw it once in the theater, didn't care for it. Um, Tom Hooper. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, he, he, he got that direct, he got that Oscar and, um, I'd say mixed bag is a term that can throw it around since the King speech. Uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like I don't even know if that counts. I never saw the King speech, but it, I feel like so many people I know don't like it. <laughs> I think um, they don't like it on principle. I think the movie's good, but I, I, I think it's more of best picture. Uh, I liked, I liked the damned United. Damned United before that. Yeah. That's before that. I liked Les Miserables. <laughs> I uh, uh, was there the Danish girl was that next? Oh, I hated the Danish girl and I didn't yeah. see cats felines yeah that's a... yeah the Danish girl was one of those like weird like weird experiences of like I saw the movie at uh, this will only be of interest to you and other LA critic type people um, Crescent screening room might have still been the real D screening room at the time but I think Crescent screening room and uh, I saw it and I thought it was garbage and then like I go to the elevator to go down to the parking garage and all the other people coming out standing in the elevator are like Uh-oh. wiping their eyes. Like <laughs> they had the, the, this, the most moving experience of their life. And I was, I was like, I need to like, I feel like my bad vibes are going to like ruin this for them. I need to get out of here. I feel like such an asshole. <laughs> Have you ever had that experience? It's, it's worse when you're actually with like a group of friends and you're the only one who didn't like 
the movie and and yeah, as you I recall was... i'm not a fan of disturbia <laughs> so right. yes, yes. I've, had, I've had this experience uh, well i wasn't i wasn't a fan of drive and i and i had to like go you know to the diner with friends afterwards and they're all talking about it and they're like what did you think and i had to be like and I, I didn't i didn't like you, it. you were the one that sued the theater over it not being a fast and furious film like it was promised right that was <laughs> yeah, you that's right yeah that was me <laughs> um lee daniels um, uh out the gate precious based on all push by sapphire yeah. i mean he had a movie before that with shadow something shadow boxer shadow boxer yeah with, uh, cuba gooding and helen Mirren as i believe hitmen slash mothers or, or like parents mother or and son like yeah. yeah i never saw it but yeah but yeah. i mean precious obviously like the big breakout movie um and as much as i love quoting you every time i mention lee daniels film when it comes to lee daniels lee daniels the butler or yeah. lee daniels lee daniels Paperboy, <laughs> yeah anything else well, i don't know i mean see this gets into the the philosophy of like what do you mean by fell off do you mean like in terms of critical acclaim or box office because like i feel like if you're nominated for best director for precious you're expected to make like follow-up movies that have some kind of legitimacy to them and despite the fact that he gets cast members he gets people he gets audiences for some to some degree yeah i I don't think he's done anything that lived up to what precious was even with a trump like something like the butler that's that's like a movie that's i'm trying to dance around saying oscar bait but oscar bait i mean it's like look at that movie that's a movie with all of these famous actors with forrest whitaker playing the butler to presidents you cannot serve up an easier like you gotta nominate me for something kind of movie but it's not good. Like it's not. It's not. Oh, a movie I disagree. I like. It's not butler. a movie you rem- you don't remember and, the butler being like. Well, oh man, this changed me. Like you know what accolade he has received. What, right? uh, uh, the United States versus Billy Holiday was named David Bax's most underrated film of 2021. You were a fan of Billy Holiday. I was a fan of the United States versus Billy Holiday. Uh, yeah. You weren't. It just felt like the same movie that we get when it comes to these biopics. So you can I don't think there's something so forceful about his direction that I think I, I would... risks being embarrassing. I think that's what a lot of people like were turned off by the paper boy in some ways because it's like it's I would, a little. I agree. I, do, I think he's a director that very much is getting the movies he wants to make. I just don't think he's rising to that challenge of pulling it off. Okay, but he's not playing it safe. I don't think fair. That is fair. And, yeah, yeah. It, I don't think that his yeah. movies, that the, the Bill of the United States versus Billy Holiday, is like the expected safe Billy Holiday. Biopic. In terms of direction, no. I do think structurally it is, but that's my own thing with biopics that I just whatever. Yeah, uh, and I, I don't like some of the choices made and how to tell that story. But that's you know that's I didn't make the movie, so it's something I need to hear. That. <laughs> uh, Mark Forrester, um, not a fan of Mark Forrester. Monsters Ball comes out. Great, cool. All right. Since then, his journeyman efforts have been a wildly mixed bag of poor um, <laughs> that I don't know. This is maybe the one that I'm probably the meanest to. Like, for the most part, I'm looking at these directors being like, if their name's on it, I'm still interested. If Neil Blomkamp's coming out with a new movie, I'm still interested in seeing what Neil Blomkamp's going to do, even if it's bad again. Yeah. Mark Forrester is the name where I'm like, I'm actively like not excited about that movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I in retrospect, I wonder if I would even like monsters ball as much as i did uh-huh. 20 years ago um i it feels in retrospect like it's a little like um full of itself you know a little self-important um but yeah he's made some bad i didn't like stranger than fiction 
Um, Thanks. There's one that's an example of people liking that around me that I didn't. Like. Yeah. <laughs> I truly didn't like Christopher Robin. Yeah. I mm-hmm. did actually like All I See Is You. Um, I don't know if you saw that one. That's, that's a blind where, movie, right? Blake Lively is blind. Uh-huh. Her husband is Jason Clark. He gets her a surgery so she can see again. And then once she can see again, she falls in love with somebody else. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a great devastating movie, but uh, I, he, he's, I, I, I like that movie. One of my least favorite bond movies, quantum of solace. Um, he made the kite runner, which is this very friendly version of the kite runner. Um, what's it? Finding Neverland. Is that him? Too, right? Never saw it. It's a movie. Uh, yeah, just a, a lot of things. That's why unlike I was on the, um, like I said, I was on the shell made train early on, but I never got on the Freddie Highmore train because yeah. <laughs> I never saw Finding Neverland. You're, never, you're not going to see how good that doctor is now? Yeah, no, and I don't care, don't care how good that doctor is. I saw The Art of Getting By. That was a bad movie. That's a bad movie. Yeah. No. Good doctor, though. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, else, what else we got? How many categories do we have left? Uh, we got three categories left. So okay. let's do the, this. Is the, this is probably the most fun one. Over before they started. Um, so you already mentioned uh, Nate Parker, uh, Parker. Yeah. which is a uh, that is it. That is a good call, uh, which is, I mean, I, I have nothing to say about his director. He only made the one movie that already kind of imploded on him. Um, but and then him as a performer, he's in beyond the light, which is great, but we're not talking about his acting prowess. We're talking about his direction and guess what? Didn't work. Right, out. Yeah. So, so, uh, Troy Duffy is the key one that I would think here, uh, for the boondock <laughs> saints, like boondock saints sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's but it's certainly like but, th- but that's why it's over before they started where it's right. like yes he's a wunderkind okay. he's yeah, a wunderkind exactly. he's coming out wine like, this category, is my new right. guy this is my quentin he's gonna he's gonna come in from his bar his band he signed with weinstein me harvey weinstein the best guy there is everyone loves me i got this new guy who's gonna be the the next genius miramax product and just every like every bad thing that could have happened happens and ruining yeah. Duffy. um yeah. So um, yeah, that, that's that's one where I mean, dude, you know, maybe Boondock Saints three will uh, really turn everybody around on the legacy. <laughs> um, I wonder if that what what uh, what bar did he own, and is it still there? I hope it's called Duffy's. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, Jay Sloan's is what it was called in 1997. It was bought. It's on Melrose. So now I have to find out. You keep going on the next one. I'm going to find out what became of Jay Sloan's. Uh, uh, Okay. Uh, Vincent Gallo. Okay. Buffalo 66 comes out. He's already made a lot of like short films, I think, at that point. He's already like done, but like Buffalo 66 got to get it. Like that got good stuff. I, I can't say things went well for him afterwards, but with the Brown bunny and like everything surrounding that movie. Um, I, yeah. I don't, like it, it just seems like it, like whatever reputation he had, uh, whether or not it was already extreme or what have you didn't get better when he like what cursed Roger Ebert's and well, he said had, had a version of the movie. Then they had a different version of the movie. Yeah. I mean, he said he hoped that Roger Ebert got cancer which he did. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, I guess he, I guess he won. Um, uh, yeah, I never saw the, obviously I never saw that. I was not can. I've never been to Canada. I didn't see the can cut of the Brown bunny. I saw uh-huh. the eventual release and I thought it was fine. It's a fine movie, but yeah. 
Um, certainly didn't like his reputation seemed to have just like sank to zero given like just everything surrounding the brown bunny. So Jay Sloan, sorry, I know you were on uh, mm-hmm. waiting on on tenterhooks with bated breath here. Uh, Jay Sloan's is now a club called Rasputine. Okay, eighty six twenty three Melrose Avenue. I've never been there. Doesn't look like my scene. But anyway, uh, Josh Trank comes out of Chronicle. Okay, nice little hit for him. Gets on to Fantastic <laughs> Four. Disaster. Like utter disaster ruins his reputation and everything. He just what he just came out with that Tom Hardy Al Capone movie. The what the what was it Vanity Fair or whatever like big expose that was more interesting than the Tom Hardy yeah. Al Capone movie that he made. Yeah, I I didn't see I haven't seen any of his movies so he he truly never uh, Chronicles a nifty ne- little found happened. footage superhero movie like I enjoy it. Fantastic Four beyond being a disaster like. All of those, like everything happened about him as far as like, not only was this movie bad, but like there's a huge problem with like trying to have him as a director. Um, um, yeah. Chronicle was to, to, to brag when I, the, the first year, 2012 was the first year I started getting like award screeners. And uh-huh. so I, so I, I think I still have a Chronicle screener that I never watched. Okay. Sorry. Whoever sent me, sent that to me. I didn't destroy the disc. It was, like it was Michael B. To. Jordan hand delivered all of them. So you should you're, be ashamed of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> You're supposed to destroy the discs like the day after the Oscars or whatever. Um, everyone does that, I'm sure. Uh, that yeah. should be a, that should be like a TikTok thing. Critics destroying their Oscar awards. <laughs> <laughs> that should be our stories. Yeah, <laughs> it's the day after Oscars, guys. Here we go, breaking our CDs. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is fair. You remember there I, was a yeah. really sorry to interrupt. Sorry, there was a very short-lived Twitter account called the screener gloat goat okay and it would just uh <laughs> retweet tweets of like screeners or, or critics being like look, look at, at the screeners, screeners i got and then like have a goat going like bah, or whatever <laughs> like <laughs> um uh it was very short-lived because i think people started being really mean to the critics. I think it was supposed to be like good natured, but then people started being mean to people for gloating about their screeners, which I don't think I've gloated, uh, not on Twitter, at least I just did it on here, but I don't think I've gloated on Twitter about, about, about a screener in 10 years. Yeah. More power. Because, no, because, <laughs> because I'm afraid of people being mean to me, not because I'm above it all. <laughs> you can be above it all. You, get, you know, it's fun to get screeners. <laughs> I need to brag about it. I don't need, it to, open my, I don't need to open that drawer that I have. That's all of them in there. Oh, you know what I, I had now I, it's, it's, um, it needs to be tended to, but one of my pandemic projects was I bought a couple of big, like CD binders, <laughs> CD binders. Yeah. And I like threw away all the dumb cardboard sleeves and um, I like put all of my screeners up through like the 2019 season in there. And then now I have two more seasons and one on the horizon that are just, yeah, stacks of cardboard sleeves again i need to like go in and organize uh you know next time i'm homebound for months at a time <laughs> I'll, have, I'll do that i have a good like 500 or cd case that's full of like screeners which is it's redundant because like i have a huge physical media collection <laughs> yeah so like i try to get rid of like the ones i have but then it's like yeah but when am i going to watch this documentary about the you know the people escaping Syria. <laughs> like, I mean, like, we, we make sure to have that filed away somewhere, uh, even though yeah, it's like no, on and, Netflix and, or whatever. And I don't even like knowing it. It's in the screen. Like I, 
um, a month or two ago, uh, I guess longer ago, cause it was before I moved, but earlier this year, I wanted to watch let it fall. The, uh, the there were two like, um, uh, LA riot documentaries in, yeah. in, in, in 2017 for the 25 year anniversary. I saw LA 92 and then it was like five years later and I was like, well, now it's the 30th anniversary. People are talking about the riots again. Mm-hmm. I never saw let it fall. Let me go find that. I know I had the screener, but I was like, I don't want to get it out of the bind. I just like fucking rented it. <laughs> so even having it, I'm still going to spend. I don't want to press time. yes to the menu option that asks me if I'm going to copy or, uh, or pirate this copy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to deal with that. That one second process. All right. That's enough screener gloating. Um, Roberto Benini. I don't know if this one's fair, but at the same time, it's like right away. He wins for life. Like, you know, a lot of acclaim life is beautiful. Gets on the stage. Super happy, super big Italian presence. And then it's what, like Pinocchio and a lot of just stuff that people don't see. But even then, like over before he started, as far as it seems like people got annoyed with him right away. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel, that yes. feels like the sense that I get. Like the second he won, like we've had enough of you. <laughs> like that's, that's it. Yeah. But I mean, he, he had, uh, he'd made as a director, he has a bunch of yeah, that's the thing. beautiful credits of... that I've never seen. Yeah. He has a, a number of things there. Um, but it seems like there's a like breakout success beyond just like his home country and random cameos in Jim Jarmusch movies. He's he's got a, his his directorial career. It it didn't seem like it got a lift from Life Is Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I think when I think of him now, I think of him in Down by Law and Night on Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is great and he's he's a great comedic performer <laughs> like, yeah. i really like him and, and seeing him in coffee movies. is he he's in coffee and cigarettes he's in coffee too, and cigarettes because right? it's yeah yeah it's the it's the it's a short it was one of the shorts that was already filmed but they put it into that one to begin with right oh and then i'm reminded that he was uh son of the pink panther of course he was yeah it's, which i never saw it's a movie <laughs> yeah all right i don't know if this one's fair either okay Michael Cimino um, comes out. He's got Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. He's got Deer Hunter, Claim Films, Heaven's Gate, legendary <laughs> giant studio killer. I mean, uh, he has yeah. films since then, things like what um, Year of the Dragon, what have you. But it doesn't feel like he ever kind of reclaims the ground that he built up after making one of the definitive Vietnam movies. Yeah, I mean, I think there's... Um... Obviously, making a movie that uh, as notoriously money losing as as Heaven's Gate, um, even though him and he was he's no longer with us, but he was mm-hmm. he was still alive, was still active for, yeah. for the movie when the movie was reclaimed, but uh-huh. that didn't get him back. But I think he also had like health problems or personal issues or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, but I guess I, I just wanted to once again differentiate between like directors whose careers fell off which i think that's what this is and then directors who like lost their spark as directors which i don't know enough about his post heaven's gate output to know if that qualifies because i like heaven's gate i'm like i never saw it until it was like this reclaimed Mm -hmm. movie when they you know there was like the four hour cut or whatever like that's the first one that I saw, so I came sure. to like it. That, if that, that's a movie where the the buzz and everything. I mean, there's a reason why it's used as a 
like a comparison point for Sony movies. Like when it comes to something like Waterworld or Titanic, it's a comparison point for movies, you know, yeah. directors that are going so big or whatnot. It's a matter. It, it goes beyond the quality of the film and just the fact that it exists at yeah. that point, which is unfair. And yeah, there's it, the far, the, the, I like how you phrase this earlier. The world's far more interesting because Heaven Gate exists than not. Yeah. So like that's certainly, you know, but it, in terms of a director that had, you know, was a golden boy to some degree or had something going for them. And then one film like demonstrably changed that. I think that does apply to a version, you know, one of the cat, that's why I have categories like, you know, part of this premise that I present. Um, I didn't realize that he did the remake of the desperate hours um, with uh, uh, Anthony Hopkins and Mickey Rourke playing the Frederick March and, Humphrey Bogart roles, uh, mm-hmm. respectively from the fifties movie. I've never seen that, that remake, but the, the fifties desperate hour, desperate hours, uh, is good. I'm looking up. Oh, that's a William Wyler movie. That's why it's good. Cause William Wyler pretty much only made good movies. Just ask John David Washington's character in, uh, <laughs> shit. What was that movie called? Oh, what was it? And then Mikey and Nikki, what the hell was it called? Malcolm, Lola... and, Malcolm and Marie. Malcolm and Marie. Yeah. Yeah. He knows a lot. Yeah. I like Malcolm and Marie, by the way. It's a, it's interesting. I, I didn't dislike it. So I think it's delivering what it's set out to do. Little talky. <laughs> but I think. <laughs> no, it's talky. Obviously it's talky. <laughs> like, I think people get too wrapped up in their opinion of the director oh, for as, sure. a, Obviously. as a person. Obviously. And I think like Malcolm and Marie is yes, it's very indulgent. That doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. It's basically or, the, or that it's endorsing the thoughts of the characters. Yeah, but or or the, but maybe even if the movie is, you can watch it without endorsing. Sure. Basically what I'm saying is Malcolm Marie feels like Sam Levinson having an argument with himself for an hour and 40 minutes or whatever. And that's interesting to me. Yeah. You don't you, like endorsing as far as yes, you don't need to, you don't need to be aligned with John David Washington in order to appreciate mm-hmm. what's going on in the film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we always have to call out that the quote unquote white lady from the LA times, uh, <laughs> is almost certainly friend of the show, Katie Walsh. Cause <laughs> she wrote, uh, such a devastating assassination nation review that Sam Levinson made an entire movie about it. <laughs> I, we got to have her back on the show to talk about that. <laughs> this one kind of, so we're at staying their lane, staying in their lane now, um, okay. but over, over before they started kind of laps over here, but not like for the, not for the same reason as something like a Josh Trank or a Troy Duffy, but like, I can't not note Mich- Michelle Hazanavicious uh, because he's, he's like, he has a lot of movies in France he came into America along with um, what's his face, uh, Jean Dujardin. Jean Dujardin uh, both win Oscars, and then they just fucked off back to France. <laughs> 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 like, like they just came. I like that though. I like it too. Yeah, I admire the fact yeah. that they were able to like win everybody over for like one year, being like the glory of the movies, guys. Right? Remember old Hollywood, the the silent film era. Look at this. Look at this guy who plays generally broad comedic French characters winning you over and get an oscar and look at me i'm making a silent movie look at this dog he won the best dog it can isn't that great i'm out of here see you guys later it's been fun like, it's just like yeah. it's, it's such a non-presence i love that the, but i love that they weren't like seduced 
you know, I think that's what happens with a lot of these, the, the people get even, even having made this apparent like Hollywood love letter, uh-huh. he still wasn't seduced by the Hollywood thing. He wasn't for was sure. Like, yeah, he didn't, they didn't like sign him up to make like a big sci-fi action movie or something. Like right. Yeah. Well, which I'm sure he like, I don't know about that specifically. I'm sure the offers came to some degree. Yeah, I'm sure he could have. Yeah. yeah Jean Dujardin is in Wolf of Wall Street. He's in Wolf of Wall Street but, and he's in the Monuments Men. And, oh. I, and after that, I'm sure he's oh. like, oh, this Clooney guy, he's nice, but I don't know about his directing. And he fucked off back to France. And he, yeah. now, he star- now he stars in what's his face? Quentin DePaul movies. Like that's his thing. <laughs> Um, just, wait, just are those the, the OSS one seventeen? Yes, no, that's the that's the sound of vicious. <laughs> that's the sound of vicious still. Oh, know? that's the sound of vicious. Yeah. Okay. Um, but but uh, the the Quinton put that's just, that's just the the deerskin. Oh uh, the yeah, deerskin. Uh, what is it called? Deerskin, deerskin was good. Yeah, yeah, deerskin, I, I, yeah, I really like deerskin. <laughs> yes. I like deerskin. I liked uh, what was it called? Keep keep uh, an eye out. Keep an eye out. Uh, you weren't a, you weren't as big a fan on the fly one, right? Was yeah, it? which I'm forgetting what it's called now. Buzz, I don't know. Um, but uh, I feel like we're being real mean to George Clooney this episode between Monuments <laughs> Men and Suburbicon shit talk. Uh, I, I don't know how he'll get over it. Uh, <laughs> he seems really hard up. Um, <laughs> uh, so staying in their lane. So obviously, this is going to be a category where they have a film, directors that have a lot of films. Mandibles. Sorry. Man, there we go. I knew, I knew it was fly related. I knew. Yeah. <laughs> Called Buzz, like three Zs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like staying in their lanes so it's like directors that are like made movies and they're still working or what have you but just they don't evolve as filmmakers they don't seem to like have anything new to say or offer to the cinema um the the, the key one like there's two key ones i have here one is kevin smith um where it's just like I, he has his legion of fans i was among them at some points but just like i get it like that's yeah. never really lifted off from anywhere else beyond like you know you, you you can write dialogue and it's fun but as a director you just don't and he he wants to acknowledge it himself that he doesn't really have much to offer and it's like well, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah other, i am uh, i also like i think like probably a lot of cinephiles i did go through that period of being into kevin smith <laughs> and then i went through like the backlash period and now i'm like like he's, yeah he's he's not hurting anybody He's, yeah, just he's, doing he's, he's a there. presence. He's like, I am yeah. happy. I, think, I, I imagine he's happy that he found his calling as a, I guess a, I guess just a professional podcaster. Is that the way to phrase it? Like, he's, I mean, like, he's still making movies. I got a, I got an email the other day saying, "Would you like a screener link to review Clerks 3? And I thought to myself, "No," but I'm not mad. But I, I would, I, I would I like this. Even... I want to get that. E- just send me that email, please. Like, okay. I that. Um, the other one, uh, there's a few here, but like the other, t- like two, these two, like just really, I think send his home is Edward Burns, um, with the brothers McMullen. Um, and like sidewalks in New York is all right, but like every, like just, it's just a lot of the same, like, I try to be Nudie Allen, but you know, I'm Edward Burns. I'm like kind of more handsome, I guess. And I star in these things and these movies do nothing for me or it seems like anyone. I don't know. Everyone's like clamoring for another Edward Burns, New York joint. Yeah. Yeah. And even as a movie star, it seems like he kind of faded out pretty quickly as far as, yeah, we get it. (laughs) You have a lot, you have nice brown hair. Um, What else you got? Yeah. I mean, he seems like a decent guy, right? I guess. He's got that New York attitude where it's like people seem to have enough of it. Yeah, I'm trying to think what was the last thing I saw because I didn't see. So, okay, Summer Days, Summer Nights was his last feature. His last directed feature? Well, no, now there's, no, there's something else here called Beneath the Blue Suburban Skies. Are these directed movies? Yeah, these are movies he's directed. Okay. okay. 
Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen anything he's directed in a very there's long like, time. There's like what? There's a Fitzgerald Family Christmas. Is that one of them? That's, that's... <laughs> I think Brothers McMullen might be the only thing I've ever seen that he directed. Yeah, Fitzgerald Family the Christmas 2012. You never, you never saw She's the One. I never saw She's the One. I, I had a blue. I had to review the Blu-ray for it because they came in. And I was like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> like, I was, that was all I had for it. I remember Sidewalks in New York. That's I, I like that one. That's kind of an ensemble cast. It's got him and right. Fer- Farina and Rosaria Dawson, like a number of people in that one. All right, who else you got? Um, again, like part part of my inspiration was this one was is David Leach, who you know just has Bullet Train out right now, which I believe you absolutely adored. I'm not mistaken, <laughs> <laughs> um, but obviously you're a giant John Wick fan, and he and Sahelski made that film together. Since and then, I you, you're Blonde. a bigger fan of Atomic Blonde than I am. I liked it a lot. Didn't win over a lot of people. It wasn't a big hit. Um, but he's—I mean—he's got Hobbs and Shaw, and he's got—he's you know, got these giant action movies things. But I don't. Of the two of them, I'm more interested in the you know Stahelski keep doing the John Wick thing as opposed to yeah yeah like if David Lee Deadpool two that's the other one if David Lee is attached to it's like I know what I'm getting like I'm not I, there's nothing surprising about this it's just like there will be you know whatever story there is around it with whatever comic book character he has going this time around plus action that's shot halfway more decently than most of these giant action movies and it's like hasn't been too long it's 2014's John Wick so it's like it's got room. But in 2017, Atomic Blonde, which yeah, yeah. is good, it's a good movie. It's got the it's got the action. It's got that going for it. Yeah. Um, uh, which Bullet Train somehow doesn't have. It's a bad action movie and a bad comedy. It's an action comedy that's bad at both things. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like it a little more than you do, but I don't disagree. Like it's 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 coasting for him. It's also. I don't care what the runtime says. It's the longest movie I've seen this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of which, I mean, you can argue Guy Ritchie. Like, I like a lot of Guy Ritchie movies, but I I, I don't think there's much progression in where he started from. Um, it, you know, the exception being when he you know does something like Aladdin, but it's just more like, yeah, they gave me a lot of money to do a lot. <laughs> like it's just, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think Guy Ritchie was like, now that I got my British gangster films out of the way, let me finally get my hands on that that live action Disney remake I've been pining to do ever since I was a child. Like, I don't think that's really his thing. And yeah. then when he goes back to it, it's just more of, you know, it's the gentleman. It's the thing that you expect. Rap yeah, the Band's I, I, interesting in that regard, because it is. it does seem like a step in a different direction to an extent. But I still need to watch that because people have said Rap the Band is, well, they've said it's better than The Gentleman, which it, I would hope so. I did not like the 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 gentleman, but I've only seen three Guy Ritchie movies. I've seen Lockstock, Snatch, and The Gentleman. Mm. I just I apparently only like him in the one mode, <laughs> and I didn't even like The Gentleman. Um, see, like the the last one I have on in this side of things, and this is I mean he's made a lot of movies. Robert Rodriguez, as far as staying in their lane goes, the thing with him and like Quentin, since they're friends, it's like. I've seen Quentin Tarantino evolve as a filmmaker. I like a lot of Robert Rodriguez movies, but he's just stayed like pretty much exactly the same. Alita broke him out of it a little stayed, bit. He hasn't so, just stayed in his lane. He stayed in his garage. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would say like Alita broke him out a little bit because he's got James Cameron's back. Sin City is just technically interesting um, as far as that is. I mean, I haven't seen that before. Like that's, that's, that's new, but for the most part, I mean, 
it does feel like, yeah, he just likes, he's making large scale home movies. That's not a diss on yeah. him. I'm happy he's found success in have, you know, avoiding Hollywood essentially and doing his own thing, which, you know, good for him for avoiding the system as far as him not liking it and wanting to be his own guy. Well, I guess I shouldn't talk because I'm looking and I'm realizing I haven't seen any of his movies since once, once upon a time in Mexico, 19 years ago. Wow. That's a, that's a lot of, it's a long time. <laughs> yeah. I guess just checked out, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So the last category because women, um, Okay. Is because uh, the first one that came to mind when you said this was a category that I hadn't thought of before is Susan Seidelman, um, who made I didn't see Smithereens, but she made uh, Desperately Seeking Susan, which is okay. great. Yeah, yeah. And then she made She Devil, which is actually a fun movie, but was of a flop. And then just like I think Director's Jail lasts longer sometimes for female directors than it does uh, uh, for men. Yeah. No doubt <laughs> it does. Yeah. Um, ones that come to mind are the ones that I have here, like, like Mary Heron, an American Psycho. Um, but did you see Charlie Says? Because it's good. I, I, I've, I've, you told me Charlie Says is good, but it's like, yeah. Here's and also, she that... did that um, Netflix miniseries, Alias Grace. She did uh, all, I all like that. six yeah. episodes or whatever, eight maybe, uh, of that. So I, st- I still like Mary Heron, but yeah, she's definitely see, like, like, didn't it, fulfill the promise of. American Psycho in terms of like acclaim and box office for sure. And this is more along the lines of, it's not about being against the director and thinking that they haven't done good work since, but more of what, what didn't connect for them to get more stuff to do after defining certain things like American Psycho is a huge cult favorite now. And like, and somehow she has to like scrap by with these really small things or, you know, Netflix TV series. And it's like, all right. Um, Amy Heckerling comes to mind where you have fast times, you had some hits in between there with like with the Luke talking movies and the uh, vacation, the European vacation, and then obviously mm-hmm. clueless. Right. And then it's nothing really. Like there's loser, which is not good. Um, and there's a few other, but like not a lot for making like two different decade defining teen movies and just not given the chance to do more. Yeah. Um, now you're also making me think of uh, Penelope Spheris. That was the next one. was Penelope Spheris. Decline yeah. of Western Civilization movie. She did uh, Suburbia. Suburbia. And then she went uh, mainstream with Wayne's World, Wayne's which World. is great. And then... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's a pretty, I, mean, I saw the Beverly Hills movie when I was a kid, but I don't really remember much about it. It's, it's, not, it's not good. Um, I saw Black Sheep when I was a kid. I mean, Tyler and I had this conversation that like... At the time when I saw Black Sheep, when I was like in middle school, I loved Tommy Boy so much that just seeing more of that, that together naturally like, is good, right? I was You're like, like yeah, yeah, this is this is good. And I think in retrospect, it's probably not good. It's not. I've I've That's watched it since. Saying. I've wa- and I've watched it since. I watched. I purposely watched Tommy Boy and then watched Black Sheep to be like, right. there can't be that much of a disparity. And there's like, no, there is. It's really just like, uh, they were fun, well, so let's keep doing that. Um, credit to them that it's not just called Tommy Boy Two and they actually made a separate movie. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. it's that credit. Uh, um, Natalie and I were just talking about just quoting Tommy Boy the other day. It was like, it really hurts. Not here or here so much, but right, right here. here. He's got the big red <laughs> mark on his face. <laughs> and Davis Bay's like, you look fine. And the waitress comes over. He's like, what the hell happened yeah. to your face? <laughs> I, I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> such a... <laughs> uh, that's a funny movie. Uh, yeah. Um, now, she. this one's been fairly successful in a variety of ways, but Mimi Leader. 
like maybe leader has like er going <laughs> you know among other things as far as tv goes but like she does back to back the peacemaker and deep impact um deep impact i believe at the time was like the highest budgeted film that a woman director you know was right. had received um and then it's like i think it's what like pay it forward and not much else i think as far as film directing goes no well she made on the basis of sex which i didn't like uh, yeah, that was a bad movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and yeah a lot of tv including some like prestige tv yeah there's a lot of prestige tv like, like, like the leftovers luck. is whatever thing in there yeah, yeah and, and luck um yeah and definitely um a number of episodes of er going back to uh Season one and Love's Labor Lost, which is one of the all-time best ER episodes. Which is like an EP and like a lot of those things too. So right. it's like I don't it's not for a lack of working. Like it's just certainly she's certainly involved in stuff. But as far as like filmmaking goes, like she had some big like chances to do stuff and they were successful to their varying degrees. But yeah. now granted, a lot of this comes from like I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they personally made a choice not to want to make films anymore or yeah. or just the system cast them aside in that realm of filmmaking. I don't have that answer on hand, but it's certainly looking at a list of directors and seeing success film here, mm -hmm. nothing here. It's like, it's noticeable. <laughs> um, so far, cause she hasn't done, he's not that prolific to begin with, but Ava DuVernay has Selma. I mean, 2014 since then she did what the, the, um, wrinkle in time wrinkle in time which which i like not, and tyler likes but did not do well at all like it you know okay. was a pretty critical yeah. and commercial flop despite having chris pine starring in the drake hotline uh what's what's that, what's that song? <laughs> um hotline bling hotline, yeah, hotline bling uh there's yeah. that old segment where chris pines in that like weird color world and it looks like he's in the drake video and it's like this is interesting um <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's like that and what 13th the documentary and then the 13th, when they yeah. the when they see us that the uh, tv series like the netflix series but like again it, you know made a best picture nominee got it and was again got a hundred million dollar movie uh, wrinkle in time yeah nothing else for someone that seems pretty active out there it's, it's yeah the movie coming on <laughs> Yeah. What, any, any, is that the end of the list? Uh, yeah, I put Cassie Lemons on here just because he used Bayou, such a strong debut film. Um, okay. I'm so glad you mentioned her mm -hmm. because um, Eve's Bayou is great. Caveman's Valentine, underrated. I know you recently saw it for the first I time. I recently right? saw it for the first it's time. Good. It's very good. It's good. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, to go to then Harriet, which was a, a snooze, I thought. It's not that it's like by default, I'm supposed to like it so I can keep my black card. But I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> but, but yeah, it's not. I, I like that it's trying to be structured like an action film, but it's still just not as exciting as you'd want a Harry Tubman movie to be yeah. um, in either regard, uh, either as a, you know, a dramatic biopic showing the struggle of one woman who did some amazing things or as a badass woman with a gun shooting Southerners, you know, either way, <laughs> it's just not yeah. that exciting. So. All right. Well, I wish I, I this is a I want to throw out to the listeners because I, I wish I had thought to think of more classic or like just older um, directors to add to the list. I'm sure there are there are, there are plenty. I tried. Um, I like I so like I I took a number of approaches to like forming a full list here. Like one was just going over best director Oscars from the, you know every decade and right. seeing which ones like had continued success. And honestly, most of them 
you know, did, or at least were prolific mm-hmm. to the point where, and you know, it's white guys directing films. They pretty much made, kept making movies. <laughs> like, there's not much despair here. Like one that I kind of had was, um, uh, uh, Gio Pontecorvo of, um, a battle of Algiers. Cause he just basically made docs. Like yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. so he made, he made the one like movie, you know, got a nomination, which is also like, it's one of the best movies ever made. I mean, it's also like, heavily documented like, like, doc style for sure. Yeah, it's a doc style yeah. movie, but that didn't go on to like make more significant films of that matter. Just made more docs again. So it's like, that's hard ones to <laughs> kind of register. Yeah. It's like, he seems like he's doing what he wants to do. He stayed uh, in his line. It could have yeah, been. Stayed, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> he just was better at it. <laughs> as far as that goes. Yeah. All right. Well, you can, uh, thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for co-hosting I, with me, Aaron. Or really sure. hosting. You, yeah, well, you, 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 you drove the bus. Um, I, I hope this was interesting. <laughs> I just, I, I thought this was a cool idea. And I was like, well, I'm just going to list a whole bunch of names and see what I can come up with. I think there's, it's a worthwhile topic because, again, it comes down to what I was worried about between you, me, and Ty- if Tyler was here, and it's sort of that he's not, is that you guys would start naming directors that I like. <laughs> well, you did a lot of, you named a lot of directors that I like. Um, so I had to, yeah, I had, I had to defend, uh, defend it'd be, shooter. It'd be easy to throw in like Michael Bay and be like, he hasn't made a good movie since the rock. But it's like, I like a lot of Michael Bay's. Yeah, I like, he's well, doing something I mean, that I aware of that I appreciate that others he, don't do like, and he released the best movie of his career this year. Yeah. You have, you love your ambulance. So it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you can find a review of ambulance and, and plenty of other movies, uh, at battleship retention.com. You can find all sorts of, uh, other episodes of this podcast and other podcasts and stuff there. You can email me at David at battleship Follow me at follow me on Twitter at Davy pretension. Definitely make sure to check out my other podcast, which is called the one where I met your mother. My wife and I watch an episode of friends and an episode of how I met your mother every week. And we compare contrast and laugh. And uh, this week we watched um, a, a pretty big friends episode. The one where Ross and Rachel take a break. Oh, uh, and we watched uh, how many other episode called the chain of screaming, which is also pretty big because it stars, uh, Jimmy McGill slash Saul Goodman himself, Bob Odenkirk as, uh, as, as Marshall's mean boss. Um, so the, hear us talk about that. And, uh, before anybody says anything, no, I have not watched the better call Saul finale yet. We haven't had time. Things have been too busy. Um, so, uh, don't spoil me for the better call. Well, he, he Hopefully ma- by the time this aired airs, I've watched it. He both makes calls and receives calls. I'll tell you that. Oh, so, man. okay. That's <laughs> it. No, I don't want to know anything else. Um, Aaron, where, uh, thank you again for being here. Where can you, where can people find you? Um, I can be found in a number of places. I co-host a podcast out now with Aaron and Abe, my friend Abe and I discuss the weekly movie releases. And we also do a lot of fun commentary tracks and other bonuses every month. We just released a kiss me deadly commentary track, which is a lot of fun to record. Really cool to talk about that film. Speaking of Southland Hills. Um, and, uh, I write for a number of sites. We live entertainment for my movie reviews. Why so blue for my criterion and blu-ray reviews. I do some variety of stuff occasionally. And I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Well, uh, thank you once again for being here. Thank you at home for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye. You got to say bye. If you're a co-host, bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to sing the theme song. That's what Theme song that I'll eventually add lyrics to. Has anyone ever done that? Has Ian ever added the lyrics to something? (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're still recording, by the way. I might leave all of this. Oh, okay. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, call call to action. Ian Brill make up some Battleship Retention theme song lyrics. Okay. 
This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.